Blog Talk Radio. Gentlemen, you have tuned in to the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. We got so much to get into. And last week, again, thank you to Mario Mancini for giving us his pearls of wisdom on the wrestling business and some stories from back in the day. We didn't get a chance, really, to hear from you. So we want you, the callers, bring it tonight, 347-838-9815. That is the number to call. So much to get into as we are smack dab in the middle of Summer Slam season. Say that five times fast. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Again, that's facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Head on over there right now, and we got a show chat going over there on the page. Like the page. Get into the chat. That's how you do it. Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Twitter, our handle on Twitter is at the Ken Reedy Show. Again, Twitter at the Ken Reedy Show. And as always, you can go over to our website, thekenreedyshow.com. Just let you all know out there, we're trying to get this going week in, week out. So if you're in the Rockland County area, Monday nights, Monday Night Raw at the Peppermill South in Congress, New York, $1.50 taco night. And they're going to have Raw on with the sound, come on down. We're going to be down there tonight. Hopefully, we're going to start to build a big crowd Monday, every every single Monday night. So come on down to the Peppermill South in Congress, New York, and watch a little Monday Night Raw with us tonight. We got to hear from you tonight. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call as we dissect all the goings ons in the world of pro wrestling. Could not get it done without my tag team partner, who is. On the line, all the way from beautiful Connecticut, Dave is on the line. Dave, how are you doing this fine evening? You're very kind, Ken. Thank you very much. I'm doing good on this fine evening. All the way from Connecticut, the home state of the WWE. Yes, it is. And what, with that, as I take a sip of water and almost choke on it, let's get, let's get into it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's cool, and, and it, it's starting to get that feel right now. Um, you know, WrestleMania is kind of a distant – it kind of is really a distant memory now, um, especially with Daniel Bryan completely being out of the picture 
And as, as we moved away from WrestleMania 30, we were going into SummerSlam season, lots of things being set up. And I'll um, be honest with you, last week's Raw, I thought it was a pretty fine Raw. I'm probably not going to sit here and tell you that it was an amazing, kick-ass, best Raw ever kind of thing, but as we're getting set for the second biggest pay-per-view of the calendar year for the WWE, I think he did a nice job last week with Monday Night Raw. Uh, you know, it started off real strong, uh, got a hand it to John Cena. Um, you know, again, when this guy is given the mic and told to give you an impassioned, dramatic promo, Generally, I know, you know, again, the internet might collapse right now, but Cena usually delivers. Gives you a real good promo to start off Monday Night Raw with one Paul Heyman. Um, followed up with a real good match with Cesaro. Uh, good stuff coming coming out of uh, Rollins and, and uh, uh, Randy Orton. A real good beatdown last week. Uh, it just was a really solid Raw. I was really excited to see what they brought to the table and miss. Stephanie McMahon, who I just got to say, if you ever decide to leave, Paul, I am here for you. Uh, my, my, my crush on Stephanie McMahon continues to grow week by week. The end of Raw was just classic McMahon. Uh, loved, loved what Stephanie brought to the table. And, hell, you had a crowd, a Monday Night Raw crowd, hot for an angle involving females, I just thought all around as we get set and move into this SummerSlam season, I thought WWE really delivered on a, an impactful Monday Night Raw last week, Dave. Yeah, I think they really needed to uh, to, to to brush off the, the leftovers of what Battleground was because Battleground was not that great of a show. Um, and they really delivered, in my opinion. I, I'll agree with you. Uh, the hype heading towards it. I thought the Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, that beat down – it kind of made Randy Orton a, a, a serious player again because I think he's been put that I think he was put out to pasture for a little while. Um, even you know when they reformed Evolution uh, after WrestleMania, he was really kind of an afterthought, which wasn't a bad thing. But you know a, a beatdown like that really helped cement his status as a major player and brought some the, the old vicious Randy Orton out, which I thought was good and it could definitely add some intensity to his match with uh, Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. The, the John Cena promo, yes, delivered, absolutely. Um, you know, you and I talked about it on the, sh you know, before the show. I remember the last promo he did similar to that was a week before. Um, you know, him and Randy Orton were supposed to unify the belts, and uh, he was really impassioned then. Um, at one point, I thought he was going to cry, like I really did. I thought he was going to cry, and I liked how I, I liked in one sense in the promo how he talked about how he knew he was going to get his ass kicked by Brock Lesnar. But at the same time, I thought he should have went with the approach that, you know, he should be scared to death of Brock Lesnar because of what Brock Lesnar did to The Undertaker and ending The Undertaker's streak. I thought it should have been made a bigger deal than it was. But the, the back and forth of him and Heyman I thought was great. The match with Cesaro was awesome. And I still think the Internet might disagree with me, but I still think that there's something planned with Cesaro and Heyman. And I don't think that amicable, amicable split was, was uh, you know, done just to be thrown to the wayside. I think there's more to that that will be revealed down the line. Um, I don't know exactly what that could be, but I think they're going to touch upon that later. And the, 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 the women's segment, the end, I mean, you don't really end a Monday Night Raw with a segment like that with, 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 two, with two of the ladies, but, man, the crowd was hot for it, and Stephanie's so easy to hate. They could have put anybody in front of her. 
and the crowd would have been just as hot. I thought it was really good and uh, simple and straight and to the point. And, you know, she is, she is her father's daughter. We'll say that. Overall, it was a solid show, in my opinion. It got me amped up for SummerSlam coming up in a few weeks. So, and, yeah, and so as we continue, or, or we actually we, we start this love fest on, on what Monday Night Raw brought to the table last week, and let's dissect as we move into the SummerSlam season. Um, let's, let's pull it back a little bit and, and maybe talk about what's not working. And I know I say it a million times, we try to stay positive here, but we are the best in pro wrestling talk, and we've got to bring it to you unbiased and we're going to tell you what's working and what's not and surprisingly so it's a weird thing like i'm not hating it and i'm not you know going to totally crap on it right now and for all we know something could happen tonight that would total totally rescue the angle and the angle i'm talking about is wyatt and jericho it's just not i don't know maybe it's an expectation thing and I, i i was expecting more and that's part of it it's just not grabbing me right now. It's not, it, you know, it's something that, you know, a month ago, two months ago, and someone said to me, we're going to, they're going to get Jericho and Wyatt in an angle. I'd be like, I, yes, I, I'm, you know, I'm totally pumped, sign on for it tomorrow. And it, it's just not doing it for me right now. And, and I don't know exactly what it is. Um, part of it, I'll be honest, uh, Face Jericho, what I'm finding right now, I, I'm, I am kind of finding him a little bit uninteresting. Um, maybe for him, I mean, we, we reported on it here, and it's been around that uh, Jericho coming back was kind of a last-minute decision. Uh, you know, maybe he wasn't really prepared. Um, you know, he's kind of flying by the seat of his pants and trying to make things work. I don't know. Um, you know, Bray and his promos are still there. Uh, but the whole thing is just, I'm not going to say it's a total mess. And like I said, they could pull something out tonight that could totally get me into the angle. I, I don't think it's a dead angle. Um, you know, when you put two guys like this that are this talented into a program together, you would think at some point they, they would kind of kind of grab you by the cojones and, and get this thing really going. Uh, but right now it's just not. And again, it's surprising to me, Dave, because you have two guys very, very talented individuals. Bray Wyatt, albeit fairly new, but we've, we've talked about how talented we think he is. Jericho's resume speaks for itself. Jericho has, it's been reported that he wants to put over some young talent. Um, you would think this would be a program that would really, really be kind of grabbing us. And for me, it's just not right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you, you make some great points in there, and there, there could be a lot of different factors as to why it's not grabbing me as a wrestling fan. Um, I mean, one, the expectations, maybe we set them too high. Uh, maybe we thought, wow, this great veteran, you know, Chris Jericho could still go in the ring. Maybe, you know, him and, him and Wyatt hooking up, it will be gold on the microphone. Well, we really haven't had any back-and-forth banter between the two, um, and there still really isn't any substance as to why Wyatt and Jericho have a beef, other than, you know, Wyatt's normal, crazy, cult-like, you know, anecdotes that come out of his mouth, which are very similar to what he has described about John Cena, and John Cena being a phony, and Jericho being a phony. So it's almost like he's, you know, he is this eater of worlds, so to speak, and 
he's trying to expose the phoniness. So maybe I am not seeing it like uh, like I should, and maybe I should realize, well, this is just him trying to expose Jericho for who he thinks he is, just like he did to John Cena. Then again, maybe he, you know, maybe maybe him and Cena set the bar too high with all the great stuff they did in that angle. I mean, with the with the, with, with the church choir, with the kids, and then the other kid in the dark, and the cage match, and then the last man standing. I mean, he, he set the bar pretty high with John Cena. Um, I mean, it could be maybe Jericho's, you know, maybe this was a last-minute thing, put, pulling Jericho in because of the whole Daniel Bryan situation, and he's just not, you know, he's off to a late start. Maybe we'll see something tonight, maybe we'll see something in the coming weeks. Jericho's around till at least Night of Champions in Nashville in September, so... I mean, there's there's still some time. I'm not totally like you said, not totally crapping on the angle, and I'm still holding out hope. But is there's just no real substance to it. It's kind of similar stuff, but toned down a bit. Like, you know, Jericho gets beat up like three times in three weeks by the Wyatt. Same kind of attack. Like, all right, what's the point? And if Jericho's not a TV, Wyatt cuts a similar promo, and then that's the end of it. I mean, it, it seems like they kind of have a little bit more of a direction in this. Last Friday on SmackDown, they had Jericho and Rowan wrestle, and if Jericho beat Rowan, Rowan would be banned from ringside against Wyatt. So maybe they're trying to build this up so that eventually Jericho gets this one-on-one match with Wyatt so he doesn't have to worry about the rest of the Wyatt family. It wouldn't surprise me tonight if there's something with him and Luke Harper and they have a match, and if Jericho beats Harper, Harper's banned from ringside. So I think the three-on-one attacks could be them leading to – Finally, Jericho getting that one-on-one match with Bray Wyatt and the rest of the Wyatt family banned from ringside. But it just seems all too similar to stuff that's happened before with 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 uh, Wyatt and John Cena. And like I said, maybe they set the bar too high with that, and you know the expectations were a little too high because of a guy like Chris Jericho and the stuff that he's capable of, and of course the the great stuff that Bray Wyatt has put out. So. I'm optimistic that this this angle will eventually be, um, you know, for the best and for elevating Bray Wyatt. I think that this is where it's going to come down to, that this will elevate Wyatt in the end of the whole situation. Yeah, and, and I, like, I mean, great points. And just uh, on a side note, just uh, as I'm, I'm monitoring the Twitter sphere, Paul Heyman just tweeted, spelling it out for you, hashtag, my client Brock Lesnar will conquer John Cena at SummerSlam. That might be the longest hashtag I've ever seen. So, who knows? And we're going to get into that angle, of course, a little later on in the show. Getting back to Jericho and and Bray Wyatt. You know, one of the things that's kind of, I, I guess, bothered me a little bit. And, again, all the admiration in the world for Chris Jericho. Um, to me, his in-ring work as of late, is, is he looks a little slow. And, and again, you know... Jericho's great. Don't get me wrong. Big fan. You know, love what he brings to the table. Great career. Um, but we all get older. We all slow down. Um, what's What I found interesting watching him in matches, I can't tell if he's gotten older and he's slowing down or if he's gotten older and just gotten a lot more cautious. Uh, what, what I've noticed watching him in the ring, it seems like anytime he's he's doing um, a spot, you know, if he, he's up on the top rope or if he's going to jump off the apron, uh, you know, onto someone outside the ring, you know, those, those type moves. It seems like he's taking like an extra half second just to kind of make sure everything is 100% right. Almost like, 
yeah, I'm going on tour with Fozzie soon. Can't be hurt. Let me make sure. All right, we're good. Here we go. Um, so I, I find the, the pacing uh, in his matches to be a, a bit slowed down. Now, again, is this something like, Dave, you said, it, it's that expectation thing. You know, is it that Jericho is, is slowing down, perhaps? Is he being more deliberate, perhaps? Um, or, or maybe it's just like the high expectations that, you know, I'm expecting more out of Jericho when he's in the ring. I'm expecting a five-star match, and when it's just not coming, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed. Um, you know, Jericho has cut some pretty kick-ass promos over the years. It just hasn't been there um, for me. So it, it's just been weird. It, it, again, an angle that I would have signed up for in a heartbeat, uh, to me right now, is just delivering. And it's weird for me to be sitting here doing the show criticizing Chris Jericho and Bray Wyatt. Um, the interesting thing, and again, as Monday Night Raw, we, we're right here saying we both thought it was very good. And, you know, when we were having our, our pre-show meetings, Dave, you brought this up. It was kind of weird when the authority was out there that Chris Jericho interrupted that. It just it, That whole segment seemed a, a bit disjointed to me. Uh, your thoughts on that whole thing? I, I was kind of surprised by it. I mean, when you know when the, when his music hit, it was a surprise, and I thought to myself, okay, they brought him out so that they, he can kind of poke fun at Stephanie because he has such good back and forth on screen chemistry with her. I mean, it goes back to the to the years of you know all the name calling he used to do and the back and forth banter that the two of them had together. Um, you know, I mean, Stephanie McMahon, you know. Jericho and Stephanie were were good for each other in the early 2000s when Jericho was first debuting in WWE and her character as a spoiled little brat was still developing. They were both good for each other and helped them. They, they brought the best out of out of each other. So I figured, okay, this was probably a little nostalgia. Jericho's around. Stephanie gets arrested. Jericho will poke fun at it. Then I thought to myself, all right, that's cool and all, but what's the point of doing that? Doesn't Jericho have his hands full already with the Wyatt? And then they and then it, it, that was only done so you could set up a match with him and Seth Rollins. Like I didn't understand that. Like I didn't I didn't get why they 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 did that for no reason. Like I don't know. It just wasn't uh, to me. Like I would figure as the Chris Jericho character. Yeah, it's cool and all to poke fun at your old nemesis like Stephanie McMahon. But you got bigger fish to fry with the Wyatt family, and you know poking fun at her is only going to get you in trouble with her husband, who's the boss. So why would you do it anyway? Like, to me, I just thought that was kind of like that was done just to do it and have that nostalgic kind of moment that Jericho and Stephanie were going back and forth with each other. I, that's where I think it was done for. But and, it but didn't come funny, off. Nostalgia-wise, though, I didn't, I didn't think it delivered, though. I mean, there was a little bit of that feeling, but I I don't know. It wasn't like, oh, this is great seeing them go at it again. It, just, it, it, was, all, it was all just kind of, like I said, disjointed. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. It wasn't the, it was it wasn't the best segment. And if it was done to set up Jericho and Rollins, what was the point? Because Jericho got interrupted during that match by the Wyatt family, if I'm not mistaken. So I mean, it was just I just didn't really, I didn't think that that was needed for Jericho to do that. Um, and overall, it's you know he's a talented performer and. I think working with the right guys for him, especially a young guy like Wyatt who's coming on up, is a good thing. I just think maybe they're just getting a little bit of a late start, and I hope that things will will turn around. And it won't be 
I'm, I'm, I'm sure as the sunrise, it won't be like what he had to go through last year with Fandango. Because as much as that was cool to be there in Jersey and everyone's Fandangoing, that didn't do, eventually it didn't do anything for, for Fandango. Look where he is now. And, and you put Jericho involved in that at WrestleMania when you could have done something bigger for a guy like the caliber of Jericho. So I don't think it's going to be as bad as what he did with Fandango last year. Wow, you're right, man. Like, <laughs> I remember, like, looking back and, and as we digress a bit, like, I mean, people were, were putting gold around Fandango coming out of WrestleMania last year. Uh, yeah, my, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> um, but, you know, getting back to uh, Wyatt and Jericho, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping it's just they're getting out of the gate slow. Um, you know, stuff that you read about Chris Jericho, um, and, you know, I admire the guy. Uh, you know, I know he's gone out and taken acting lessons um, when he's devising characters. Uh, he tries to at least change a little bit, uh, bring something new to the table. Um, he's a creative guy. Uh, you know, you would think that something like this working with a, with a Bray Wyatt that, um, you know, he's not, I mean, Jericho's not an idiot. You know, people are feeling like, the angle is is kind of I don't want to say stalling, but just not not grabbing you. Um, you would think Jericho realizes that. So um, again, for guys that are that talented, I still as much as it's not doing anything for me. I shouldn't say anything. And again, you, Dave, you brought up an excellent point. It's you know maybe with this it does boil down to expectations. Um, so I, I can't say I'm not into it. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm just not into it as much as I thought I would be into it. Um, just two guys with this talent, you just would think that uh, at some point they're going to figure out a way to, to really get us, to really grab us. Um, you know, the SummerSlam card is, is really shaping up. Uh, and this could, you know, this is a, a match that... Uh, smack dab in, in the mid card that that really you know you're, you're only as strong as your mid card you know you, you need your mid card to be good especially for your big events and uh you know i i would expect that maybe tonight we see something uh to ramp that up a bit um you know dave when you were talking about the john cena thing you know maybe it was difficult following that angle uh the the stuff with the singing and the kids and, and the creepy kid and and all that other stuff going on you know that really that brought Wyatt out, you know, really brought out, like, what he can do. And in, maybe there's a bit of a hangover effect uh, with the, the Jericho program. But, again, not crapping on it all the way. I expect big things, if not tonight, over the next couple of weeks to, to facilitate this angle further, Dave. Yeah. I could, I mean, you know, you talked about Jericho and his creativity and, and, and he likes to do something new whenever he makes a return. You know, sometimes what's old is new again. And, you know, if you, if some of you out there are listening, you've ever seen the Chris Jericho documentary that WWE put out on DVD. If you have the network, it's on the network. You can watch it in the Beyond the Ring section. Jericho talks about how he, in 2008, when he turned on Shawn Michaels and he kind of ended the Y2J character and he was more serious and he came out wearing suits and he, he, he talked slower. He kind of he kind of combined, like, um, uh, the, the you know a, a side of Nick Bockwinkle in the very casual, classy look 
but with a methodical stare and, and, and tone in his voice like um, the, the guy the, from Old No Country old for Old Men. No Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I'm drawing a brain fart here. And, but I could see maybe, you know, Jericho getting so fed up with what's going on with the Wyatt that maybe this darker side, that darker Jericho that we have seen in the past, could come back to counteract Wyatt and his Wyatt family. Maybe that's what we'll see, you know, in the coming weeks, you know, either at SummerSlam or after SummerSlam heading into Night of Champions. Um, but, I, I mean, that, that's, that's an idea. I don't know. Maybe they got bigger plans for, for, for Jericho and Wyatt after that. Who knows? But I'm, I'm confident that this will, be, uh, this will be beneficial for all parties involved when it's all said and done. And that's the stuff I admire out of Jericho, you know, and the fact that he would watch a movie like that and just be, yeah, I can grab that and use that for, for my character. And, and you know, I, I guess that's part of it. You know, if he went back and, and drew off some of that to, uh, you know, tapped into his darker side, so to speak, to, to combat Wyatt, um, I, to be honest with you, and maybe I'm kind of over the, the lit jacket. I just kind of am, you know, I get it. You know, it was cool the first time we saw it, but now it's like, yeah, lights go out, jacket covered in Christmas lights, awesome. You know, it's like, it's kind of cheesy for me. And again, I love Jericho. Love Jericho. Maybe it's time uh, to retire the jacket, so to speak, and uh, uh, come up with a different incarnation of, of Jericho. But, you know, I, you know, two very talented individuals, and, and I'm hoping that we see a lot more out of them, a lot of what they can really bring to the table, I'll ramp it up a bit um, to really bring it home as far as looking at that angle heading into SummerSlam. And there are so many angles to get into when it comes to SummerSlam as they continue to get set up each and every week on Monday Night Raw. And, uh, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. where the WWE right now, it, you feel like they're, they're looking at bringing it. They got to sell this network. Mm-hmm. They want more subscribers. Nothing is a throwaway now. Uh, you know, a lot of these, these programs, uh, mid-card, opening matches for pay-per-views, they're going back a little bit, which is awesome, where there's storyline and character development going into each and every match. There's a vested interest in most matches now heading into the pay-per-views, and as they're setting up, like I said earlier, their second biggest pay-per-view of the year, there's a num- number of programs heading into that event, uh, that matter, that matter in the grand landscape of the WWE. And I, I feel like they, it was tough, and maybe they're floundering for a little while, but they seem to been, be able to kind of make their way out of the, well, I'll, I'll call it the Daniel Bryan hangover. Uh, you know, what happened... You know, it's almost, I mean, it almost is like a hangover. I mean, it's like, you know, WrestleMania 30 and everything with Daniel Bryan and leading up to that was just like one big, huge, amazing party. It's like it just got bombed, and then, and then the bottom fell out after that. And uh, left without Daniel Bryan as the WWE scrambled to put together uh, more programs, more storylines, I, I think they're in a good place. I, I, I really feel like we're heading into a pretty decent SummerSlam, and we have so many angles to get into. We're going to dissect them all over the next hour, as well as kind of give our thoughts on what we think we're going to see out of Monday Night Raw tonight and what we really need 
is to hear from you. 347-838-9815. That is the number to call if you want to get on here and have your opinion heard. What do you think of what the WWE is doing going into SummerSlam? What are your thoughts on why, Jericho? Are Dave and I completely off base? Is this angle kicking ass and we're just missing it? We want to hear from you. Give us a call. Before that, we got to get into it right now. You only hear it here. The best news brief in the business. It is time now for the Day 5 50-50 News Report. Only heard only. at the top of the hour on the Ken Reedy Show every single Monday night. You heard the man. This is the Day 5 News Report. Our top story this week, starting off with news from TNA. It was reported a few months back that Vince Russo was secretly working behind the scenes as a consultant to the writing staff at TNA. Recently, Russo accidentally forwarded an email to ProWrestlingInsider.com's Mike Johnson, which was directed at TNA staff after he publicly stated he is no longer employed with the company. After news of Spike TV not renewing TNA's TV contract and allegedly finding out Russo was working with TNA and not being pleased with that news, TNA's head of talent relations, John Gaburik, fired Vince Russo last week. Russo stated on Twitter that he agreed to walk away, but sources in TNA say that there was not an amicable split. Some critics out there say firing Russo may be TNA's way of trying to get in Spike TV's good graces in the alleged ongoing negotiations for television. Insiders saying that they are... Excuse me, I totally <laughs> screwed this up. Some critics out there say Father Russo may be TNA's way of trying to get the Spike TV's good graces in ongoing negotiations, and insiders saying that they are not new negotiations. As we speculated recently here on the Ken Reedy Show, after potentially undergoing another neck procedure as well as shoulder surgery, there is talk within the WWE that former WWE World Heavyweight Champion Daniel Bryan could be back as early as the 2015 Royal Rumble event. There is speculation as to whether or not Bryan will be put back into the World Heavyweight Championship main event picture as originally planned, or if WWE officials are still sour on his injury, derailing their plans for him, which could potentially send him back into the mid-card. Third story this week, this is for all the, the mocks out there that, that claim to know what they're talking about when it comes to business and ethics and everything in between. WWE announced last week a major television deal with Rogers Communications to exclusively distribute WWE programming in Canada through 2024. That will also include the WWE Network as a premium linear cable television channel. Also coming out of this blockbuster announcement was the news of the WWE Network debuting internationally beginning August 12th in over 170 countries, including Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore, Mexico, Spain, and the Nordics. The network also is expected to launch in the United Kingdom by October of 2014. Italy, UAE, Germany, Japan, India, China, Thailand, and Malaysia will also launch at a later date. 
The network will also launch on several Blu-ray players and smart TVs in mid-August as well. WWE will continue to offer the $9.99 per month price point with a six-month commitment, but will now also offer the network at $19.99 a month with no commitment. With the ongoing budget cuts in WWE looking to expand into 2015 with the hopes of another $30 million cut, WWE is looking into combining both Raw and SmackDown television tapings as a cost-cutting measure. In addition to office and roster cuts, WWE is likely to cut back on pyrotechnics for next year's WrestleMania 31 event at Levi Stadium. The show starts at 4 p.m. local West Coast time, which means the majority of the event will be held in daylight, so less pyrotechnics is expected anyhow. And our final story, and a follow-up to our story last week that we opened up here on the Ken Reedy Show, as of last Wednesday, allegedly, TNA still does not have a new television deal in place. In regards to negotiations, the newly formed United Talent Agency that had been working with TNA is handling all of the negotiations, and TNA President Dixie Carter receives all information in regards to those negotiations, but is not personally involved in them. And there you have it, folks. Only heard at the top of the hour every single Monday night. That was the Day 5 News Report. Ken, back to you. All, like, interesting stuff. There's so many things going on. I'm, You know, I get it. I, I'm sad, though, for at WrestleMania, there'll be less pyrotechnics. Love the pyrotechnics. Anyway, I guess it's not important. I digress. As we get into what we're planning on seeing. Because that's what we buy the travel tax for. We should. They, you know, they should, they, we should get a discount. But yeah, exactly. That's what we buy the travel package for, so the, the, the pyrotechnic. <laughs> so, I, so I can sit like 100 yards away and feel the flame from the stage coming out when The Undertaker shows up so I can wipe the sweat off my brow. Yeah, they need to discount us <laughs> big time next year, at least like a grand or two. Exactly. You know, it's funny. As we go forward, you know, I don't know if you saw the big thing today uh, with Randy Orton that he uh, – I guess he's got like a stalker fan, and he tweeted a picture with her and said, I have found the Latin Miss Piggy. <laughs> I, I heard about that. I saw the picture, too. I, yeah. I thought, honest to God, I thought it was Vicky Guerrero. <laughs> and it did, you know, it's, it's I, Twitter, you know, it's one of those things where when you do the social media thing, especially, you know, you want to take those extra couple seconds before you tweet or Facebook. You know, you, you never know if it's really the right thing to, to put out there. And, you know, with the WWE and the anti-bullying and, you know, cyberbullying and all that stuff, um, I did find it interesting that that was out there. Um, as far as what's going on within the WWE, um, oh, wait, hold I think Thank you. And there you go. All right. <laughs> Just had to get that out. Falls, please. Yeah, see, I don't have an actual producer to, like, actually press a dump button right there. So, yeah, it's live radio. Anyway, um, you know, the Randy Orton thing with uh, uh, Roman Reigns. I love the beatdown last, last week. Uh, there were reports that, uh, you know that he the uh, matches at dark shows between the two of them were a bit lackluster. Um, 
Who knows, man? You know, I, you never know with this, this crazy, whacked-out wrestling biz. You know, leaked stories, are they really leaked stories, or are they stories that the WWE want leaked? And you're thinking one way, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, whoa, hey, look at that. Um, because I had that in my head, and then last week, I, I thought it was a pretty awesome beatdown. Um, I did find myself wondering, as far as the Twitter thing today, if that could affect Randy Orton in any way, shape, or form as far as going forward or how this angle is going to play out. I would tend to doubt it, but I did find it interesting, again, with the whole anti-bullying thing, uh, you know, what Randy Orton actually put out there today. Um, Last week, the beatdown was awesome. It was a good, old-fashioned beatdown. Randy was, was being Randy. It works for me, and it got me in a place where I I was kind of psyched to see these two go at it, Um, probably at SummerSlam. So, I mean, it was all good for me. I'm I'm kind of pumped for this angle. And, you know, initially I remember hearing the the rumors and the rumblings that we were going to see Reigns versus Triple H, which I was kind of excited about when I heard they were probably going Reigns, Orton. My excitement was kind of tapered a bit. but after last week, it, it's something I can get into, Dave. Yeah, that beatdown was, you know, old school, as Michael Cole would say, vintage Randy Orton. I mean, he was very amped and animated, but very vicious at the same time. You know, if if WWE wasn't so PG and they dropped a little bit of blood in there, it would have made it would have really put it over the top for me. But I'm not one of those bloodthirsty fans out there that needs to have blood, you know, to accentuate the. Uh, the, the storytelling, but it was good. And it's uh, to be quite honest with you, like I wouldn't mind if Reigns was off TV for another week to really sell the beating that, that, uh, you know, Randy Orton put on him to, to add even more drama to the match, um, you know, at SummerSlam. Yeah. I thought, you know, it worked on a lot of levels. You know, I think it helps both characters. I mean, you know, the, the the great characters, you you need that. You need, I mean, Jesus, like Hulk Hogan made a, a career out of, you know, getting killed and then, you know, showing up at WrestleMania and vanquishing his foe. I think it was something that uh, Reigns needed. We needed to see Reigns really get, get a beat down. Um, I, I thought it was good, really, for both of them. I agree with you. I doubt they're going to do that. But, uh, yeah, I would love to hear that uh, Reigns was injured. You know, he's going to be off TV for a couple weeks. Uh unclear whether he'll be able to wrestle at SummerSlam. Um, it would add some drama to the storyline, the storytelling. I doubt it. I think we'll see Reigns tonight, but uh, everything about it, it, it got me kind of pumped uh, for this match. And, and as we move forward, I think they're doing a real nice job at slowly building Reigns up into that main event status. They're, they're not bringing him along too quick. He's not getting the strap too quick. And, uh, you know, if everything plays itself out the way it should, I, I, I think this is a good thing for Reigns. Uh, it could be a very good program for him. I'm, I'm kind of psyched to see where this is going to go. Yeah, I, I think it's building towards eventually, you know, he's going to have to go through pretty much the authority to get to Triple H. Uh, I heard rumors that they might push this back to, uh, to, to, to Night of Champions and have, you know, Reigns and uh, – and Hunter wrestle each other, but I'm also hearing, too, that Triple H is advertised to appear and wrestle at Hell in a Cell in Dallas in October, and Brock Lesnar is not, and it's heavily rumored Lesnar will be the champion at that point. 
So they might need a big match. Maybe they'll have Reigns and Triple H in the Hell in a Cell. But for him to go through Randy Orton, I think it you know it doesn't hurt Orton a single bit, and it only helps Reigns in moving up the ladder. And you know once he goes to the Authority, he's that superhero that vanquished all evil to to, to eventually get to um, you know the, the spot that he wants, which is the championship. So I think I think he'll have a lot of dealings with the Authority as he heads to WrestleMania because he's the early favorite to win the Royal Rumble next year, and of course the early favorite to headline WrestleMania for the championship. So um, it would not surprise me if um, this is only the beginning with him and Orton, and then they eventually go go back on that heading into WrestleMania, uh, you know, in the fall of the next year. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and again, I'm enjoying the, the storytelling right now. I, I do think they've done a nice job with uh, Roman Reigns and, and, you know, building him up the right way. Uh, and, you know, like, you know, eventually he's going to get to a point wrestling fan is going to hate him. And that's really, you know, you, you've, you've made it when, you know, when they start to hate you. So, um, you know, I, I would heavily anticipate it. I mean, generally, if you're kind of tall and you're muscular and strong, the internet wrestling fan is going to hate on you. Uh, so you I, I, <laughs> go ahead, Rod. If you don't look like a short order cook at the Waffle House, <laughs> then, uh, then, then, then yeah, you're, you're going to you, – wrestling fans are going to hate you. You know, they're, they're going to love your ascension to the top, but once you get there, they're going to want to build – bring you right back down. Yeah, it's funny, man. You know, I I keep coming off topic tonight, but you know, watching the was it last week the the press conference with uh, Daniel Bryan after uh, thwarting the attempts of, of thievery on his household. Uh, man, as as each day goes by with that guy, he just looks more and more like Team Wolf. I mean, <laughs> do you remember Team Wolf from the '80s? I mean, he looks so much oh, yeah. like Michael J. Fox in the in the Team Wolf makeup. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't say on topic tonight. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I just think that, you know, we're going to see it. We're going to see uh, Roman Reigns rise to the top. And, and again, I fully expect uh, the Internet fan to kind of hate on him uh, uh, pretty soon. But I like what they're doing. I, I like the, you know, I'd like to see Reigns versus Triple H. Um, I agree with you. You know, they're probably going to. We're probably going to see Lesnar win the title, and then the authority will do everything they can to keep uh, Reigns away from that belt. Essentially, it's gonna, they're going to slot Reigns into a very similar storyline to uh, what Daniel Bryan went through last year. And, you know, hopefully Reigns can stay healthy and have his ascension uh, uh, to the championship. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad, you know, it's good for Orton. And, uh, you know, on some levels, I mean, Orton's kind of, you know, Orton's a weird character because you, you have these moments, and he's had wellness policy issues, and he's, you've heard backstage stories about him, you know, not being the nicest of guys. And now you have this Twitter thing today, and, and, and on screen, you, you, you know, it's like he's, he's the champ, and then it's, it's almost like they don't really quite know what to do with him, and he's... You know, he's always Randy Orton, and I know a lot of people hate on him. I, I think the guy's got, you know, so much talent. Uh, for a guy his size to be able to move the way he can move, um, he's strong, he's quick, uh, he's got a great look. You know, maybe maybe he's not the best on the microphone, but always like the Randy Orton can, can bring to the table. Um, it, it's been kind of, uh, I don't want to say it's falling through the cracks, but kind of it, it's been this uh, – 
you know, bickering with Kane a lot, and, you know, Evolution is split up, and it's just been kind of um, a weird spot that Randy's been in for a chunk of time. And so I think this really, this focuses the, the Randy Orton character. Uh, it, it brings more into focus, the, the Viper, uh, so to speak. So I think it's good for Orton, and it's good for Roman Reigns. I think it's good for everyone involved. And, and in all honesty, Dave, as, as we build this ascension uh, for Roman Reigns, I'm expecting uh, a real good match between the two of them. Yeah. Randy Orton, is um, he, he's very good at being a bad guy. And uh, you know, not saying that he is a, a, a desp- despicable human being in real life behind the scenes, but you know, a lot of times the best characters are – are the guys that are about as close as to what they are in real life. And, you know, he, he wasn't the smartest thing for him to do um, with that picture and with the whole, but he's Randy Orton. He's the golden boy. They, they, he's one of those guys that I wouldn't say he's untouchable, but he's damn near close. Um, you know, he's, he's had a few issues with the wellness policy. He's one more strike away from being fired, but I'm sure that they'll probably erase one of those strikes off the books so they can keep him because they know that he can make money for them. So um, he's, a, he's a good fit to really make a Roman Reigns um, and, and help ascend him into the main event because Orton is just not a very liked guy. I mean, you saw last year as, his, as, his, as before he turned and joined the authority and, and cashed in the money in the bank, you know, the, 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 the cheers had become less and less as the weeks went on because people had gotten – you know, tired of the the same Randy Orton act, and he just doesn't have a a likable look. You know, for for wrestling fans to cheer, he's just a he's just a vicious bad dude, and I think people can get behind Ra- uh, Roman Reigns against a guy like Randy Orton, and I think it's only going to help Reigns in the end through all this. Yeah, you're. I mean, perfect nemesis for a guy like Reigns as he continues his ascension. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. Is that number to call? We're going to go out to the phones now because we got Mike on the line. Mike, how are you doing this evening? Hey, guys. How are you guys doing this evening? Doing all right. What do you got for us? All right. Let's talk some wrestling. Some good old-fashioned, we're on our way to SummerSlam wrestling. I can't wait. Um, all the matches look great. I, I see that they're doing a flag match, and it's, gonna, it's, going, to be, um, it's going to be great. And uh, I see they're just going all out there. They're letting Lana say whatever she wants. What do you guys think about that? Uh, you know, it, it's a good point. And I, and I like the fact, Mike, that you, you brought up that angle because I, I do think, you know, and I, it, it's tough to say like they're, they're uh, kicking it old school, so to speak. But I do think that they, they've gone back a, a bit. And then I've talked about this on, on the show a number of times that, you know, back when we were growing up, uh, for a long time, you know, you would watch a mid-card match, and there'd be storyline development. Uh, you'd watch the opening match. There was storyline development. Um, over, like, the, the past decade or so, I, I felt like they, they got away from that. They would do a lot of story development and character development for the main events, and, and the other matches were kind of thrown together. Um, not the case now, and, and maybe, which is good for us as fans, um, you know that they're they're putting time into building every match, and every match means something. There's something behind it. And as you look at right now, where SummerSlam is right now, Cena, Brock, Wyatt, Jericho, Bella, McMahon, Swagger, Rusev, AJ Lee, and Paige, every match means something. 
I love what they're doing with Swagger Rusev. I love it on a lot of levels. It works. It's basic. We've seen it for years in wrestling. And to be honest with you, I am just absolutely sick and tired of our society having to be so PC all the time. It's good storytelling. We have a Russian villain and an all-American hero. It's, it's great storytelling. People are going to be critical of allowing these characters to develop and allowing Lana to just do her thing. Grow up. Grow up. It's, it's just it's a good storyline. I mean, they're not glorifying it. She's the villain. I think this works on so many levels, and it's something that, you know, you can really, really get into as a fan. That is a match, again, maybe years ago would be a throwaway match. They've developed the storyline. I expect the crowd to be hot for that match. Um, I, I just love the way it's being developed. And, again, a, a mid-card matchup. I, I just I like it all the way around. What are your thoughts, Dave, on the program? Well, first of all, I'm a little bit of breaking news. We just touched upon the Randy Orton situation, and I wanted to address that the, the the tweet that he put out in regards to that picture this morning. He had taken down the tweet and a few other tweets at, 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 at some people that he had uh, referred to as d-bags, and then he wrote the following on Twitter: "I apologize if any of my if if any of my previous tweets offended anyone. The answer to bullying isn't more bullying." So I'm sure that a lot of people complained and were upset and WWE social media department, you know, the red light went off and oops, you know, can't do that. So I'm sure that this was one of those moves to, you know, make, make a few people happy. Now, back to the subject, Swagger and Rusev. I think it's going to be a good match at, at SummerSlam. Like you said, Ken, the story's basic and they're letting these guys go and say what they, say what they want to say to help the story develop better. Um, I, w- the one thing I like more about this than anything else is just not the contents of the story, but the fact that this is a babyface Jack Swagger with a Zeb Coulter, and they're just two good old boys from America defending their country, and it's not the it's, it's something fresh for Jack Swagger because he's been he's he's been you know in a in, in, in a holding pattern for a few years now. I would say for the, I would say for the past four years now, really to be honest with you, every time they they plan to do something, he either screws up or he injures somebody or you know, they just don't have anything concrete for him. And he's one of those guys that they, uh, that, you know, four or five years ago, they they were going to rest the future on, you know, on him because of his in-ring ability. So I think it's I think this is something that's, you know, good for Swagger. And it's a breath of fresh air for his character. Now, I like it all around. Like you said, don't be politically correct. You know, gloves are off. Let them say what they need to say to develop this story better. It's television. It's, you know, I mean... Everyone wants to get too offended. If you can't tell the difference between real and make-believe, then you shouldn't be watching television, period, end of discussion. Yeah, George Bush was all over there last week. I thought it was hilarious seeing George Bush's face up there. (laughs) I thought it was fun. I thought it was funny. I was entertained. I was well entertained. When When I walked in the door and I sat down and got to watch it and saw that, I was, you know, because after that whole, incident that they that they were crying about Lana and then she 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 just did a little bit of her, her words in Russian and then I was like are they gonna hold her tongue but no they're just letting it go right full and you know another thing about him is is with Rusev is he's starting to speak now he's talking so it's like okay I'm like so I was thinking maybe they're gonna ixnay on Lana but he's talking now so um 
so I guess that's not the that's not the case. But they, you know what? They all all four of them work good together, and it's gonna and and we'll see. We should have a good old fashioned flag match, and let's see what happens and and see how this prog- progresses. That's yeah, I mean, what I, I'm, I, that's what I'm thinking of. I agree. I I think you know sometimes you know it's funny and especially with wrestling, um, you know you you can tend to overthink things and, and come up with like you know convoluted, uh, crazy storylines and like and, and sometimes they're fun and obviously thinking out of the box is a good thing, but sometimes especially you know building a, a mid card uh, rivalry, just go back man just go back to what things you know worked and worked time and time again and this is something that has worked um and like you said david it refreshes swagger uh it gives rusev uh, a spot it's i just think it's a good thing for everybody and i think it's going to be a very entertaining matchup uh i'm curious uh mike what are your thoughts uh, you know going into raw tonight uh you know, what do you think we're going to see as far as continuing to facilitate uh storylines and angles running into uh this year's SummerSlam. Well, it's kind of funny since you guys are talking about Monday Night Raw, and I'm going to bring up the the the, the legend himself, Hulkamania. Hulkamania was at I Play America this weekend, and he was doing a question and answer, and he talked about that he wants to wrestle. He says he wants to wrestle John Cena. And take notice he didn't mention Brock Lesnar. Because Brock Lesnar hurt him the last time they wrestled. Brock Lesnar almost broke his, his, his hip the last time that, that, that those two hooked up. So he didn't mention him. He said he wanted to wrestle John Cena. He says he's in the gym. He says he's training. He says that he's going to, uh, that soon you're going to see Hulkamania in the ring. And he says next week, or I believe next week's Raw, he says he's going to be there on Raw to make an announcement. You know, I mean, there's, there's, as I hear that, the, the Hulkamaniac in me, uh, just gets really psyched and pumped and would love to see mm. Hulkamania go yeah. one more time. His body, his body is saying when it comes crashing down, it's going to hurt inside. That's what his body's saying. <laughs> that's, that's good, Mike. That's that's the realistic side of me. Like the Hulkamaniac wants to see it. I don't know, man. And look, Hulk Hogan. We should all look as good as Hulk Hogan does when we get to that age. I mean, the guy is still jacked. However, it's just the wrestling business has taken it. The quote, quote one of the quote one of the legends, good lord. That's all Ric Flair says now. Good lord. Every time I see Ric Flair and hear him speak, he says, Good lord. Ric Flair, I gotta tell you, Ric Flair was on I don't know if you guys watch a uh, Lizard Lick Towing. It's on. Uh, it's on True TV. They had these guys were his bodyguards and whatever. And and he and one of the guys has a wife. He has a wife who owns the company. And they had to do like a charity bodyguard thing, you know, security guard. And he says, he says, they, you know, he says, do you want to come along? She goes, oh, can I come along? He goes, oh, sure. He takes a, a beautiful lady, got you know, Ric Flair. And all Ric Flair says is, good lord. But I I want to see. But going back to Hogan. I, I, I just, when he says he wants to wrestle John Cena, and, you know, Hulk Hogan has a lot of respect for John Cena, and, and everybody says, you know, that would be a good, a good match. Hey, it would have been a good match when, when in the SummerSlam when, when, when Randy Orton took on, I mean, when Shawn Michaels took on, on Hogan, instead of Shawn Michaels taking on Hogan, maybe John Cena. 
I mean, and, and Hogan was a little past his prime even then. Um, but I don't know. I hear, I hear, I guess maybe Hogan, you know, I, I can never see Hogan being a manager for somebody, uh, you know, but as far as wrestling, because my nephew goes to me, would you like to see that? Uh, and, and Ken, I'm with you. I think that would be like a train wreck. Yeah, I mean, the extent of, honestly, what I, I would, if we had Hogan in the ring again, um, would be for, for one special night, for him to be in someone's corner, and, you know, maybe someone comes down to interfere, and Hogan jumps in and throws a couple of punches, and we have a moment of him, you know, tearing the shirt off and flexing, and that's it. I mean, as far as Hogan physically, that's the extent of what I'd want to see him physically getting involved. I just, you know, even when you see him walk down to the ring, I just think if, if he signed on for a match, it would, it would, for lack of a better term, I just feel like it would be depressing. I would just be sad <laughs> to see Hogan be like that. I mean, it's, you know, that last, that, that match he had with Sting, the street fight, um, you know, it was tough to watch him, but it was real good storytelling. Where did he have and that match on? What was that? Where did he have that match on? Was that was that Bound for Glory Day? If I remember the year. No, what organization um, was that? Uh, oh God, here we go. TNA. Oh, yes, okay. TNA. I never even heard of it. Sorry. Good yeah, no, that, that was. It was. It wasn't a good there. match. But it was. Okay. It was. It was good storytelling. Um, Didn't I they just, just lose their TV contract? They did. I'm just talking about Hulk Hogan. You brought Sorry, up, I just, yeah, my it, point is that I just don't see, need to see Hogan in a match again. I, I think that's, that ship has sailed. I think Hogan every so often likes to float it out there. You know, I'm going to get back into the ring, but I, I just I can't see it happening. No, it, 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 I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, it would, have, it would have been something if he would have did it at WrestleMania 30 and he said he wanted to wrestle The Rock right there in the ring again with Stone Cold Steve Austin in the middle. I mean, but I don't know. All these, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. Now, now the other thing is, 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 that, is that you were talking oh, about Daniel Bryan before. I hear now Daniel Bryan's not going to come back until the Rumble. Yeah, yeah, we have, yeah that, 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 that's what I discussed in the news. Well, I, sorry, I just, I just, I just picked up the phone and called you. I must have missed the oh, news. You just tuned in just now. You should be listening. Yeah, to I just all, tuned all in. Time. I just tuned in. No, I just tuned in oh, now, how, sir. How hardcore of a fan are you of the Ken Reedy Show if you're not listening from beginning to end? What do you I got? Am to do I, am I am hardcore. I am. I am hardcore. I've been with this show. I've been with this show. Since I, I first oh met God, you guys, and I'll always be with you guys. You guys are the best. You Relax. Know keep, your sh- keep, keep your shirt. Keep your shirt on. I'm just messing. I'm not going to sweet chin music, nobody. I got it in the, under control. Um, oh, let, me, okay. let me ask you another good, good question, Dave, because Ken answered yeah. my question. The Mount Rushmore, I put it on my Facebook. My Mount Rushmore picks for who I wanted um, for the wrestling. Who, if you had four people, to, four wrestlers, and managers and whatever. If you had four wrestlers, who would you pick for your Mount Rushmore? Hogan, no, in, in no particular order. Hogan, Austin, Flair, and Bruno. Good. That's good. Four good picks. I like it. Somebody got on me because I didn't put Taker. It's not, you know, I, I said if you had to pick your own, you know what I'm saying? But the Mount Rushmore is a great question because you have to pick four. And there's just there's always going to be 
a great, multiple greats that are left off? That's the thing. That's why that question, you know, we, we've asked that question on the show before. It's a great question because it's four. It's not your top ten. That's easy. When you have to pick four that have to go on the Mount Rushmore of anything, it's very difficult because there's always going to be an all-time great, multiple all-time greats that don't make the list. And that's why it's, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. Well, to because debate. it's your fourth favorite. It's basically your favorites. I mean, it's, it's, it, that's how I look at it. I mean, like you, you say, Ken, when you say top lists, I agree with you with those with those lists, those lists get uh, those lists get out of hand, and and people and people um, people go holy pick, and you know. But that's why I say that with the four, with the with 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 the four, I liked and I liked your four, Ken. Definitely, I liked your four. I I I definitely. I mean, my four was my favorites: Hogan, Bret Hart. I mean, Flair, and and you couldn't go wrong with Triple H. You know, every one of those guys carved the the stone. You know, every one of those guys had their own, and they they did what they had to do with their wrestling. But tonight's Monday Night Raw. I can't wait for it. It's going to be good. We'll see what's you know. Maybe they'll announce some more matches. Very good, Mike. Thanks for the call. It's going to be good. Oh no! Anytime. I'll speak to you guys next week, and we'll and we'll dissect what what we call pro wrestling. We love it. Sounds good. Thanks for the call. We'll talk to you next week. Anytime. You got it. See you later. See you guys next week. And you guys, there it is. You've had the mic experience. Only right here on the Ken Reedy Show. Um, yeah, Mike's been a loyal fan for quite some time and brings up some good points. That was cool because, you know, what – and we, we talked about this a while ago. And, and what – you know, the, the, the hatred that, that was thrown at John Cena, that, that continues to be thrown at him. You know, and this, this is probably years ago we talked on the show and – you know, that I, I had brought up that, you know, when we were, when we grew up, you know, I grew up, you know, pretty much in the 80s when I was growing up in that era. And, you know, if you hated Hogan, there was multiple wrestlers and storylines that you could get into uh, on, at WrestleMania, um, on, on a, at a live event. Um, you know, there were other guys. The IC title was, was hot. Um, you could be, you could hate Hogan and still love the product because of the, the character development, the storyline development, um, that was going on, you know, in your mid card, uh, what happened over time, you know, in the, I guess you'd call it the PG era, uh, it seemed like they just overly developed John Cena storylines and let the mid card you know, fall away, and they didn't develop a lot there. Um, so I've always kind of thought that Cena gets a lot of unfair criticism because it was it was the WWE that deserved the criticism. Uh, they weren't giving you good storyline development. Um, they were just developing John Cena stuff. And if you hated John Cena, you essentially hated the WWE because that's all they were pushing. Um, I, I thought Mike brought up a great point when he brought up Swagger Rusev. Out of all the, the big, you know stuff that's going on in the WWE, that's a mid-card storyline that he's into, and I think it's a great storyline. Um, it's a great program right now. You know, it's not something that's going to go for a year, but I'm really enjoying it. And as SummerSlam gets put together and has a strong mid-card, um, they're, they're building a strong main event, and the man that has been the centerpiece of a lot of criticism for quite some time, one John Cena, delivered in a big way 
last week with a, a very good promo to kick off Raw and a very good match with Cesaro. Um, John Cena distinguished himself a bit last week. I, I like what I saw, everything. I like the promo, the match. He held his own with Heyman on the mic. Um, it, it was just good all the way around for, for one John Cena. As, again, Cena put in a position, much like when he was facing The Rock, of selling a program without having his opponent necessarily there each and every week. Has his mouthpiece Heyman there every week, but his opponent is not necessarily going to be there each and every week. Loved how Raw kicked off last week, Dave. Yeah, it was excellent. I mean, I, I you know, was sitting in bed watching, I like almost rose to my feet. I was like, wow, he's really, like, he was really into it. I mean, Heyman's always great. And, and the one thing I like about Heyman more than anything is that, you know, Heyman will take certain words and he will accentuate those words and make them really stick out. And eventually it's going to be, you know, it, it'll be a tagline for another T-shirt that, that Brock Lesnar has coming out. But that word victimized, that's the, that's, the, that's the real theme when it comes to Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar in regards to this match, that they are passionate about victimizing John Cena. And John Cena, in his passion for this, and his theme behind all this is the fact that he knows he's going to get, he knows he can get killed in this match, but he's going he's gonna to go out swinging, trying every possible way to make sure that he can slay this beast no matter, no, no matter what criticism is, is in front of him. So I thought it was a very impassionate. Um, from what I'm hearing tonight, that, you know, all three individuals, Heyman, Lesnar, and Cena, are not going to be in attendance at Raw, but there are going to be some lengthy, candid, sit-down interviews um, that were pre-recorded, you know, this week or last week or whenever, um, kind of like, uh, you know, HBO's 24-7 boxing that has some of those, you know, candid sit-down interviews or, or when UFC has some of those interviews with the guys leading up to the fight. They're going to try and go with that kind of feel and build off of that going into next week's Raw, which is the go-home edition of, um, of uh, you know, a, a Raw heading into SummerSlam. But, um, you know, Mike brought up a point about Hulk Hogan and, you know, a match possibly with John Cena. And to be quite honest with you, you know, I agree with you and, and agree with Mike. It would be kind of sad to see him in a, in a one-on-one match with Cena, but Hogan's scheduled to be at Raw next week. And the rumor I'm hearing is that Hogan – there, something might go down, might take place to, um, to to facilitate his involvement in SummerSlam because he's going to be in Los Angeles a part of a, a SummerSlam question and answer panel that's going on that weekend. And uh, there could be – I'm making a prediction. Somehow Hogan's going to be involved in this angle with Brock Lesnar and John Cena. And, and I think Hogan will end up being in Cena's corner um, to, to kind of counteract, you know, the outside interference of Paul Heyman um, you know, with Brock Lesnar for this title match, and to even add more, you know, the cherry on top of the Sunday, so to speak, for that for that match heading into the pay per view. Now, could it potentially lead to something between the two of them down the line? Maybe, maybe not. But like you said, I think Hogan likes to float that idea out there and get some press and some attention his way. Um, but overall, the promo and then the match itself, man, I'm so tired. I mean, I, I don't even listen anymore to people say that John Cena can't wrestle. Because after what he did with Cesaro, man, I've loved it. He had a match earlier this year with Cesaro. It was awesome. 
So it was just a great segment all around. It took up a good half hour, 45 minutes of the, the first half hour, 45 minutes of the show. And I was thoroughly entertained from those those first 45 minutes with all three individuals, the promos and the match included. You're right. And, and it's funny because, I mean, when, when, you know, the points you bring up with Paul Heyman, I, I mean, in all honesty, you, you could probably take a, a slew of Paul Heyman promos and hold a public speaking class. Because you're right, the way he chooses to enunciate certain words, uh, his line delivery, uh, it's just impeccable, especially when he's focused. Um, You know, and he's going, he's he's main eventing. I I mean, I get it, the main event is Cena versus Brock, but Paul Heyman is main eventing SummerSlam, and he's bringing it. And it it was a very good promo, victimized, it was just great. It was great all around. And and it was you know again you're right you get all this criticism that just it's very difficult to to hear you know Paul Paul John Cena last week and let's let's put it in perspective now I know he's got his shortcomings and I'm willing to accept that and everyone does and not everyone is perfect John Cena last week on Monday Night Raw held his own on the microphone with Paul Heyman and held his own in the ring with one Cesaro. Let that sink in right now. Two guys that you want, as far as the landscape of professional wrestling, when you look at Cesaro and Heyman, two guys that are near the top, if not at the top, of what they do in pro wrestling, and John Cena hung with both of them. And not just hung, he was right there. I, I was so impressed with what Cena brought to the table. If I were to criticize John Cena, his biggest issue is can we split the difference somewhere? I get it. You can't be that dramatic each and every week. You know, you've got to taper it. But can we, can we find a middle ground somewhere where we're, we're, we're not quite that dramatic, but we're not a big effing goofball? And that's where I think John Cena drops the ball a little bit. You know, if he comes out tonight with a, with a promo where he's cracking corny jokes, it, it kind of like, it, it, it damages the promo from last week a bit. And you kind of want to see him be able to sustain solid promos week in and week out. But last week, what John Cena brought to Open Raw was gold. It was gold. He made you excited for the match. If you didn't have the network or you were going to order them, he wanted you, you wanted to see SummerSlam. If you were not planning on watching SummerSlam after the beginning of Monday Night Raw last week, you wanted to see SummerSlam. Uh, it was just, it was excellent all around. Again, and I'm curious your thoughts, Dave, when we talk about John Cena. Um, again, he deserves all the credit in the world for what he brought to the table to start Monday Night Raw last week. I just would love to see him able to split the difference a bit, as we said, as I said, and bring us very solid promos each and every week, and maybe let that corny, goofy, joke-making John Cena, let that John Cena just kind of fade away a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, I mean, you know, realistically, a person can't be that intense all the time. Um, you know, and, and that impassioned uh, about something all the time. Otherwise, they're they're, they're one stressed out individual. <laughs> you know, <laughs> bottom line. So, 
I mean, it, it really, you, I mean, you yell and scream like that all the time. You've got some serious issues. You need to be sitting on a leather couch, you know, once or twice, maybe even three times a week, you know. There's no way that he can be that amped up and that excited about every single guy that he wrestled. So it, it was fitting. It was for the right time for a guy like Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is seen as evil because he ended and conquered, excuse me, conquered the Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania. So it was very fitting for his promo and his delivery and the way he handled things with Lesnar. Like I said earlier, I think if he were a little more scared of Lesnar, it would have made it would have made the match, I don't know, I, like I said, I think he should have went the approach like he did with Bray Wyatt, where he was scared of Bray Wyatt. He was scared of what Bray Wyatt was going to do. But then again, Cena's been in the ring with Lesnar a couple times. He knows what he's capable of. And that's another thing, too, like that I think – could help this angle even further is bringing up the history of these two guys and their matches that they've had. They've only, as far as I know, they've only wrestled twice on television or on pay-per-view back in 2003 when Lesnar first won the title and John Cena, they, they gave John Cena like one month in the main event just to test him out. And he was a bad guy. He was a bad guy rapper and they had a pretty solid match with each other. And then of course, 2012, we saw that, that awesome street fight they had in Chicago uh, the month after Cena's match with The Rock at WrestleMania 28, and it was just a, it was just an awesome match between the two of them. The intensity, the physicality of that match. I think we're going to see a lot of that going into the, uh, going into uh, you know SummerSlam and the match that they have. But I think touching up upon their history and touching up upon you know, and Cena bringing up the fact of what Lesnar is capable of doing to hurt him in this match and going back to the past, I think could be really essential to help further this angle and make this match even more important than it already is. Because you could sell it on Lesnar and Cena for the title at SummerSlam as the biggest fight of the summer. But if you were to sell the past and what these guys have done to each other, I think it would make the angle and the storyline that much more interesting and that much more invested to watch at SummerSlam. I agree with you. I think go into the history. I mean, use everything you've got. There's so much surrounding this this main event, and it's a main event. It's it's a main event of your second biggest pay per view of the year. As you're trying to push this network and sell it and get more subscriptions, I say use everything. Use the history between these two guys. Uh, you know, give us some video packages of of the matches these two guys have had together. Um, give us everything. Do everything to set up this main event. I mean, it's, it's come out of the gate tremendous. Love what I'm seeing so far. Um, keep it going. If these guys aren't going to be on Raw, let's give us some history. Let's get a history lesson of, the, of these two guys. You know, maybe on a Monday Night Raw, you, you, you go back and, like, periodically throughout the night. You know, let's take you back to when, uh, you know, Cena and Brock Lesnar first, uh, you know, collided. You know, something like that. You can plug the WWE Network at the same time. And there you go. And that's why we should be working for the WWE. Okay. So anyway. Only now, WWE Network. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Monday Night Raw last week. And again, we're we're on the positive side. We enjoyed Raw. And let's, let's look at Raw in a sense. Let's look at the bookends. Uh, you know, it kicked off very solid. Heyman, Cena, Cesaro coming out. Love, love what happened there. Uh, perhaps planting some seeds between Heyman and Cesaro down the road. Who knows? 
loved everything that we saw in that opening segment. Fast forward a bit. As much so as there was good stuff all night. But let's fast forward last week to the end of Monday Night Raw and and the unbelievable uh, just what oh, Vince's daughter, what Stephanie brought to the table, uh, hot crowd for an angle involving females. Um, and, I, and I am not a chauvinist in any way, shape, or form, but let's be honest. The, the amount of times over the past decade that we've been excited about a, a female angle uh, in the WWE, th- those times have been few and far between. Loved everything. I, I thought the whole segment worked. Um, in, in an odd way, it, it kind of keeps Daniel Bryant somewhat relevant, uh, having this, this uh, program going on between Stephanie and Brie Bella. Just uh, just saw right now uh, on the Raw pre-show on the WWE Network, there will be a contract signing tonight between Brie Bella and Stephanie McMahon. But, man, I just, I, I, living room pop. I jumped off the couch when, Stephanie's, when Stephanie said, I'm going to make you my bitch. I thought it was tremendous. Uh, the crowd was into it. Uh, it was just a really, really old-fashioned, intense, cool segment. Go, ladies. And, and Stephanie McMahon, uh, you made Papa Vince proud. Yeah, because contract signings are always peaceful events in the world of professional <laughs> wrestling in the WWE. How original. I, I, didn't, I couldn't have thought of that one. Um, but... No, you know what's interesting about this? Like, you, you hit it all, all the points. Great crowd. Stephanie, I said it earlier, Stephanie's very easy to hate. You could have slotted somebody else in that position, but it made sense because of their beef with Daniel Bryan, and they get his wife, Brie Bella, involved. It's just the, the, the chemistry, the, the verbal back and forth between the two of them, it's work. Stephanie is a very she's – her, she's her father's daughter. She's very good at what she does. But what's cool about it, too, is the fact that – not only just like you said, that I'm going to make you my bitch, and just the intensity uh, of it, the fact that it's, it was made to be a big deal that it closed the show. You know, you don't find, you know, it's very rare in wrestling and in the WWE that the girls will close the show, and they will be the last thing you see before you roll the credits. The last time Monday Night Raw closed with, any kind of angle or match with the women was back in 2005, I believe, when Lita and Trish Stratus main evented for the women's championship, and it was seen as a big deal. Now, I'm not saying that Brie Bell and Stephanie McMahon are anywhere near what Lita and Trish Stratus were, but the, the, the intensity, the heat was there, and like you said, it brings the, the, uh, Daniel Bryan into a relevant spot. I wouldn't be surprised if Bryan is, uh, you know, inserted in Brie Bella's corner somehow in SummerSlam and Triple H would be in Stephanie's to kind of counteract all that. But overall, it was just a great segment. And, you know, when, when th- that last part when she said, you're going to be my bitch and she's getting carried up the ramp, I was like, ooh, this is good. Like, you, you, don't, see, you don't see the girls, especially the divas, like even AJ and Paige, their feud's all right. I'm not really big on it because it's been kind of, the whole friends turned enemies has been done to death, I think. You know, where, they, where they, they're enemies at first, then they become friends, and then one of them gets jealous and turns on the other one. That story's been done to death. This is personal. 
and, and, and usually personal, uh, you know, matters that people can relate to in everyday life is what, at least as far as I'm concerned, wrestling fans would gravitate more towards too. And uh, the Stephanie McMahon Brie Bella thing is very personal. It, it can be a very personal thing. It can be done, you know, in everyday life, in other facets of life, in the, in the work world. So I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and just overall, it, it, it was, had more intensity than the other girls, you know, than the Divas feud did with uh, AJ and Paige. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I, my, I, I just, I, my crush on on Stephanie is is just it's it's. It's getting inappropriate. I, I just, I'm, I'm falling, I'm falling deeply, deeply in love with. Her. I just, I mean, I just, I was amazed. I just, I loved what she brought to the table. I, I just, everything she, just her intensity, her, uh, her faking the crying, and that it was just, it was great. And Bree is not very good uh, on the mic, especially. She's just not, and. Stephanie carried that segment and and made Brie look great, made Brie into a a hero, made Brie into someone that come SummerSlam or even tonight going to get a huge pop when her music hits. Uh, it just works all the way around, and I, you know, when I when my I look back and and feel like that nostalgic feeling when uh you know the Mr. McMahon character was in in full effect, and I think Triple H has done a really nice job. At kind of filling filling that role, being the COO and everything. but man, Stephanie, Stephanie just she's got the genes, man. She's just she just is, is taking that Mr. McMahon character and like warped it and, and made it her own. And uh, she's just the head bitch in charge, man. And she's just playing that role to the hilt, um, you know. And now she's going to be back in the ring. Uh, it's just. I'm excited to see where they're going to go with that. And again, it's it's weird for me to be saying I can't remember. You know, there's, there has not been many times over, like I said, over the last decade, where I could say there was a female angle that I'm excited about. That I'm, I'm kind of pumped to see where they're going to go. And as we look forward to Monday Night Raw tonight, some interesting developments as we're going to have a, a contract signing with Stephanie and Brie Bella. And, and just tweeted from the WWE, uh, Chris Jericho will be taking on Luke Harper. If Y2J wins, Harper will be banned from ringside at SummerSlam. So we're seeing that storyline development uh, continue tonight on Monday Night Raw, perhaps adding a little bit of a wrinkle as far as Wyatt and who he'll have on his side. So maybe as we talked and we were critical of that angle, maybe we see a more manipulative Chris Jericho, a more strategic Chris Jericho, who looks over the next couple of weeks to take out Harper and Rowan to legitimately get a one-on-one matchup with Wyatt at SummerSlam, which will add some intrigue to that storyline. Um, so we're going to see some stuff really get developed tonight on Monday Night Raw. I'm curious, Dave, what are some of the things you're looking forward to most going into tonight's Raw? I'm actually looking forward to these uh, these, these sit down interviews, these videos about Cena and uh, and Lesnar heading into the main event, and the the production quality behind it, and how it's going to enhance the hype towards that match. Um, I'm looking forward to you know Dean. You, you're, I'm I'm sure at Sunrise, Dean Ambrose and, and Seth Rollins are going to have a match at at, uh, at SummerSlam, so I'm kind of interested to see you know, how that's going to be made. Overall, I mean, the card looks pretty damn good. Here's another thing, too, that, that we didn't touch upon. 
that we could go into possibly next week is this new stable with Xavier Woods managing, you know, Big E and Kofi. Um, and a lot of people are expecting them to get a tag team title shot, which I think would be a little too premature, but I would like to know their purpose and their cause and what's putting them together and being led by Xavier Woods and what's, you know, like I said, what's, what's the reasoning behind it? And it seems like they're targeting, you know, the, 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 the tag team champions, the Usos, but I would actually like to see, I wouldn't mind seeing another Usos-Wyatt match at SummerSlam, like a final match, and then maybe you build toward Kofi and Big E um, with, the, with the Usos in a tag team match. But I'm actually interested in seeing these guys wrestle and seeing what kind of style Kofi's going to wrestle as a heel because it looks like these guys are heels, and I, it's just something different and fresh for, for all three guys involved. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops too. I, I, and I, it's funny to say, because I'm enjoying it, too. I mean, you know, there's, there's that, that moment in, in wrestling and with anything when you're storytelling. You know, when do you give the crowd, the audience, the fans the answer? I'm kind of enjoying right now, and maybe it's because we're getting development from the, the rest of the mid-card. We've got a lot of good programs running right now. I'm kind of enjoying not knowing what they're all about. You know, eventually they've got to tell us, but I, I'm kind of enjoying the suspense, then uh, just kind of uh, observing, um, you know, there's been speculation, could this be like a, a nation of domination kind of uh, faction? Um, you know, it's speculation, I guess, because they're, they're all black. I mean, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's something different. Um, who knows where they're going to go? But it, it is an interesting pairing. It gives some guys that... Uh, weren't flourishing uh, a purpose and uh you know maybe we see them maybe if they don't get a title shot maybe we see them in a, a number one contendership kind of match at SummerSlam. um but it's something intriguing and i don't need the answer yet but yeah you know as we look forward to monday night raw tonight maybe we get uh, a little more answers uh, a little idea um of, of what their purpose is uh going forward um who knows? Uh, but it is something that uh, I've, I've enjoyed seeing the three of them and just being curious what they're all about. I agree with you. Do we see it tonight? I think we're going to see uh, Ambrose and Rollins finally in a one-on-one -on -one matchup. Uh, you know, we'll do the SummerSlam pre-show. For me, speculation, if they get the two of them together, that's a potential show stealer kind of matchup. Um, yeah, you're right. I think we'll see that. Uh, that'll be set up sooner than later So maybe we see something like that set up tonight But uh, we're definitely going to get further storyline development And what do we see tonight after the beatdown Do we see Roman Reigns tonight You know, do we see further storyline development Do we just see Randy Orton saying, you know, I put Roman Reigns out uh, What do you think we're going to see out of uh, that storyline development, Dave? Well, WWE.com announced that they it's been made official. Roman Reigns will wrestle Randy Orton at SummerSlam. Uh, so that's been made official. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Reigns were to, uh, you know, make a surprise appearance and kind of attack Orton and maybe they have a pull apart amongst each other, um, you know, for Reigns to try and get his revenge back on Orton and the referees come out and they break it up and then, you know, one of them breaks away from ten guys holding him back like he's the Incredible Hulk and he jumps over the, the other ten guys that are holding the other guy back and we have a big pull apart. and Oh, wait, that was done a few weeks ago with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. 
But anyhow, we're going to see, you know, I'm, I'm sure Reigns will be back, you know, tonight. It would be, it would make the story much more interesting if he were just kind of pop up and make a surprise and get his revenge on Orton as opposed to, you know, the going into commercial, they'll announce he's in a match and everything's fine, no problem, no big deal, he's not hurt at all. But, uh, yeah, I could see the, the, I could see that potentially being maybe even turned into some kind of a stipulation considering the beating that Orton gave him. But I'm also hearing that Rollins and Ambrose might be some form of a stipulation, uh, you know, like a no DQ kind of stipulation to that match. And you can't have too many of those on one card because otherwise you might as well call yourself ECW. Yeah, you know, it's funny, man. And I got to say, as, as, you know, we had uh, Dean Ambrose uh, in a distant third place with uh, the Shield, have you seen his new T-shirt? I got to admit, I kind of dig the new T-shirt. Ambrose's T-shirt? Is it like a white T-shirt? And yeah, and it says unstable across it. Yeah, I think I saw it. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. They just came out with a Seth Rollins T-shirt today. Yeah, not a big fan. I saw that, too. Yeah, yeah, Admittedly, not a big Reigns fan of that too, shirt. Though. What was that? Yeah, I wasn't really... Roman Reigns got a new one that came out, too, but... Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, overall, I, mean, I think either. it stood out the best since the, since the breakup. Uh, interesting. And tonight on the network, immediately following Raw, we're going to get uh, Cena, Lesnar, Extreme Rules. So there you go. So if we don't see it, I... They must I mean, have been listening. They, they must have been listening to us. <laughs> they had to have. They had to have. They I got on that pretty this. quick. Yeah, they got it. Yeah, they jumped on that one real quick when I mentioned that they should bring up the history of these two in the network. You can plug the network at the same time to accentuate their feud. What are they going to do after Raw? They're going to show that match. So you're going to have Michael Cole plug it 24 times in a three-hour show that that match is going to be on on the network after Raw. Yeah, you guys were listening to us, definitely. You're welcome. <laughs> That's amazing. So what are we going to see tonight out of Raw? Are we going to see the WWE steal more of our ideas. Who knows? Looking forward to seeing how they continue to dramatically set up SummerSlam. But I'm pumped right now. I'm excited. I think SummerSlam is shaping up to be really good. And with 10 seconds left until Monday Night Raw, thank you all for tuning in tonight. Thanks for Mike for giving us a call. For Dave, I am Ken. Enjoy Raw. Good night, everybody.